1977, North Carolina Secretary Howard Lee stood before a group gathered at Lake Junaluska in Haywood County and said, North Carolina is a state with tremendous variety in geography, scenery, and people. I want our state trails committee to look at recommending a trail that would give North Carolinians and national visitors using it a real feel for the sights, sounds, and people of the state. These words marked the beginning of a change in North Carolina's landscape and its future as the great trail state. 2023 marks the 50th anniversary of the North Carolina Trail System Act, and the Department of Natural and Cultural Resources is celebrating with the Year of the Trail Campaign, where all types of trails are being celebrated across the state. Join us in this three-part series where we explore the sights, sounds, and people of North Carolina's trail system, beginning with a deep dive into the torrid development of its ambitious flagship trail, designed to connect the entire state from the mountains to the sea. Welcome to Connecting the Docks, a podcast sharing true stories from the Old North State using materials found in the State Archives of North Carolina. Taking us through these stories and more, here's your host, John Horan. Hello, I'm John Horan and welcome back to Connecting the Docks. Today, as an introduction to our Year of the Trail series, we're taking a look at the pioneers of the North Carolina trail system and the development of North Carolina's most ambitious trail, which we're on right now. That's right, we've stepped out of the archives and are taking a hike to kick off our Year of the Trail series. Joining us today are podcast intern, Annabeth Poe. Hi, thank you for having me. And regular contributor and reference room specialist, Catherine Crickmore. Hey, happy to be out in the sun. Yeah, so where are we out in the sun? We're on the, uh, we're on a segment of the Mountains to Sea Trail, actually. We're on the Noose River Greenway Trail, uh, which is really close to the archives, about 15 minutes away. It's a um, paved trail, 27.5 miles, and it offers scenic views of the Noose River, wetlands, historic sites, interpretive signs, and agricultural fields. Great, yeah, I mean, we're here today. It, you'll be listening to this in the fall, so you'll be really able to enjoy the weather. It's a little bit hot today. We're doing this in August, but we think it's still worth it to get out here and see, have a little field trip. So tell me more about the Noose River Greenway Trail. So it's actually part of the Mountains to Sea Trail. It's segment 11, if anyone's uh, looking it up. And it runs from North Raleigh down to Southern Johnston County for about 66 miles. So the Noose River Greenway, portion is just a, a little bit right in the middle. Um, and it was actually first suggested in 1979 as a connection point for the Mountains to Sea Trail, which helped justify developing the trail at that point. Well, I was just going to say, what is the Mountains to Sea Trail? Yeah, so the Mountains to, sea, Mountains to Sea Trail is a trail that stretches all the way across the state, and it's meant to really connect uh, people to the places around them. So all the way from the Outer Banks to the mountains, it's supposed to like be this path uh, across the state letting people explore. When it's completed it's supposed to cover about 1,200 miles uh, and it became an official trail in 2000 but again still under construction um, and according to the Friends of Mountain Sea Trail it takes 2,112,000 footsteps to complete the full trail which goes through 37 counties so it's a really wow. long path <laughs> and we are just on a small portion of it today. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder um, how many miles we did today. Probably just oh, eight miles. Check my <laughs> But still, still, we have quite, quite a bit to go to do it all. But it, it, was, it was still a nice hike. And sounds you'll hear from the hike will be throughout this episode. Yeah, I didn't actually know it was completed until 2000. Because 
it's like it was suggested so long ago. Yeah, so it was actually announced in 1977 by Howard Glee, who was the Secretary of Natural Resources and Community Development. Um, and he was hoping to create a trail that would allow people to explore the sights, sounds, and people of North Carolina, which is a really underlying theme of this year, which is the year of the trail here in the state. Yeah, and that's why we're out here in the first place. We're, we're covering the Year of the Trail campaign with a three-part series that's going to highlight the sights, sounds, and people of North Carolina. Uh, we'll discuss the state's history of trails, and we're beginning with an episode today about the development of the Mountains to Sea Trail. Yeah, it's important to note that the Mountains to Sea Trail did not appear overnight. Um, it took a lot of hard work and a lot of years to actually get the portions that we have today. Uh, and it actually led to North Carolina being declared the national uh, trail state. Yeah, we'll get back to the studio and talk more about the history, and then we'll get back out on the trail and conclude our show. All right, we're back in studio. I'm John Horan. Uh, I'm here with Annabeth Poe. Hello. And Katie Crickmore. Hi. Um, we are discussing the North Carolina Trails Committee, and um, I wanted to f find out first and foremost, what records did you get this information from? So we actually have a lot of records at the State Archives that cover this period and the development of the trail system. Some can be found in the governor's papers during Hunt's administration, uh, some in the Natural Resources and Community Development Record Group. Um, there's some newspaper photographs uh, and general uh, newspaper articles about it. Uh, but for the most part, the most helpful record group is, has been our Parks and Rec record group, and specifically the Planning and Special Studies section, North Carolina Trails program file, which is several cardboard boxes of unprocessed materials that Annabeth has been going through diligently <laughs> over the past month or so. Um, what sort of things did you find in that file? Yeah, so the collection actually starts in around 1973, um, which is the same year that the State Trails Act passed here in North Carolina. It was a really big year for trail legislation. Um, the Appalachian Trail passed the same year, uh, and it was not the same as the state trail system. <laughs> so there are a lot of uh, different levels of trails happening across the uh, U.S. Um, the beginning of the 1973 Act here in North Carolina reads that the Act is to create a scenic and recreation trail system and to provide for the designation, administration, regulation, and acquisition of scenic trails and trail right-of-ways. So basically, the General Assembly was hoping that this new trail system would create a way for people to connect with the outdoors, that it would promote travel, that it would, um, you know, help people get out and see the state in ways that they haven't been able to do before. Um, the act created three different types of trails to um, accomplish this goal. The first was were state scenic trails, which are longer trails and often tied to landmarks that were already established in certain areas across the state. The second was state recreation trails, which were often near urban areas that were really focused on getting people out of the city back into nature uh, and let them explore. And the third type of trails were connecting or side trails to connect the scenic <laughs> trails and the recreation trails to create a full trail system. Um, and oftentimes how the trails and proposed trails were designated determined how involved the government was and what the General Assembly's role was in promoting and uh, maintaining them. Sure. So those are those are the three types of trails. But. You know, they didn't just appear. There were probably committees and committees and committees involved, or at least I think so. Why don't you tell us about that? 
Oh, yeah. So in 1973, with the act, the act it actually created the North Carolina Trails Advisory Committee. Um, it was seven people from across the state. It was a volunteer group. Um, so these people were not necessarily getting paid, but a lot of their travel expenses were covered by the government. Um, there were two from each region of the state. So two from the uh, coast, two from the Piedmont, two from the mountains, and then one person who represented the state overall. Each person on the committee actually had to have some sort of interest in trails, whether that be hiking them or riding on horseback or uh, off-road vehicles like motorcycles and dirt bikes. And so each person had to represent a certain interest. The committee would then select the trails, which would then go through this process where they had to eventually be approved by the secretary in order to become a state trail. And the only real guidance in the legislation was to select a route that would be most compatible with preservation and enhancement of the environment it traverses. So clearly thinking about the environmental impact of these trails as right. they were being created. That seems pretty straightforward. <laughs> well, <laughs> it seems that way, but it's really not. Um, there was a lot of early questions about what to do. So every meeting that uh, the committee had was actually a hike in itself those early years to try right. to get the, peop the committee members into the environment to learn about North Carolina's cultural or natural and cultural resources. Like out on the trails, yes. having paper, pencils, yeah yeah that just sounds fun straight out there and and they would sometimes even take the state plane to these locations um from raleigh and fly uh, there. sorry the what the state plane <laughs> i did not know we had a state plane until yeah. i looked at this collection <laughs> um but they would take the plane go there um hike camp sometimes they camped um actually out in okay they the were areas. just having fun yeah. they were. <laughs> sounds like i need to get on the committee right yeah <laughs> It was really incredible uh, to read these records about, you know, <laughs> these very random meetings that they had uh, that were not even that random because they were actually, you know, doing Work was getting job. Yeah, yeah work, right. they were doing their job. But they did have to deal with a lot of problems in those early years. So I guess the hike balanced out the fact that they were plagued by all these questions. Yeah, what are the problems? Uh, yeah, so some of the problems were uh, a lack of clarity about the committee's actual responsibilities and power. While the act created the committee, there wasn't clear, a clear outline of their job and how they were supposed to divide their work between, you know, what they were doing, what the state was doing, how those groups worked together. Uh, there was also the question of how they could get the land while they're out exploring it. A lot of the land in the early years that they actually were looking at was already in national hands or, or national government hands or state government hands. And so they were like, if we need private land, how do we act, get that and bring it into the trail system? Um, so that was a big question that they had. There was also the question of the fact that North Carolina is a big state. So where do we put the trails? How do we make sure that we're connecting all different parts of the state, including everyone in the uh, process? Um, how to name them and how to label them then after they decided where to put the trails? The committee was also really burdened by a lack of funding. Um, the act created the committee, but it didn't necessarily explain how it was going to be funded or if pe if the members of the committee would have to pay uh, for certain things out of their own pocket or if the state would cover it. Um, they did the early years ask for money from the government. So um, in 1974, they actually asked the General Assembly for $1 million to create um, state trail system that didn't um, pass. So they were plagued with these like massive questions and so they really lost a lot of momentum from the passage of the act um throughout the early years of the of the system okay so 
but a trail system was eventually created and it's pretty robust now so something must have happened so in 1976 doris hammett who was a member of the committee since its uh beginnings she applied to host the national trail symposium which is a big conference basically where people from all over the country come together to discuss the state of trails in the u.s um she was from Waynesville, North Carolina, so in the mountains, and she was an avid horseback rider, so that's what her representation was ah. on the committee. Um, and she found out in November of 1976 that her bid had been accepted for North Carolina to host the Sim- National Trail Symposium in Lake Junaluska. The proposed theme of the symposium ended up being trail legislation and funding, which highlights the two biggest issues of those early years, the fact that, you know, there was this lack of funding and there was a lack of clarity about the committee's roles in um, actually creating a state trail system. Um, For her efforts, Hammett was actually elected um, chair of the committee in 1977, and her platform was to really ensure that the trail system was not ignored. She was afraid, based on the earlier years where not much had really happened, that it would never actually come to fruition. So she thought this national symposium would be the saving grace and really make sure that it would, um, she wanted to make sure that their voice was heard in that. The first part of this like two pronged approach to like making sure that trails, um, they, the NCTC had a voice was by hosting the North Carolina trails conference in early 1977. Um, 125 people attended in Raleigh and uh, one of the major focuses there was the duality between over and under use of the trails and how to navigate them. So that was more based on the logistics side of, okay, we have trails, now what do we do with them? It also was a lack of policy, again, was something that they wanted to prepare for, for the big national symposium. So they ran trial um, discussions during this um, North Carolina Trails Conference. And the biggest outcome of the, of the Trails Conference at that point Um, the trial run for the national was the creation of the citizens trails committee which later became the north carolina trails association which was a citizen group with the goal of filling the gaps between the government and the local communities that would actually be using the trails so kind of serve as a voice of the people to make sure that people's uh, needs and um, wants for the trails were actually implemented at a state level oh gotcha so that's the trial run Mm -hmm. in early 77 uh, before the symposium, which it was later in 77, we heard a little bit about that symposium early on. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so September 9th, 1977, that's the big day. Uh, Howard Lee, who was Secretary of Natural Resources and Community Development, he took the stage and he announced this uh, goal to create this trail system. Part of that trail, or part of his excitement for the trail system was proposing a trail that would connect the mountains to the sea. Uh, So he wanted to study specifically at this point the feasibility of creating a state trail that would go all the way across the state, but he also wanted to make sure that it went through communities. That uh, idea of connecting communities is one thing that really set the trail apart from other trails both in North Carolina and across the U.S., Um, His goal was to make sure that, you know, because he wanted to propose something all the way across the state, that it would serve as a way to, you know, really connect people with each other beyond just connecting to the environment. And he wanted it to be the pride of the state and encourage other states to then create their own trails um, that would go across their states and eventually create some sort of national trail connecting all of the state trails together. Wow. I don't, has that, 
Is there any traction on that part that we know, that we know about? Not that I know of. <laughs> very yeah. ambitious. Yeah, very yes. ambitious. Very and ambitious. That's, the ambitious is exactly what the members of the trail committee were thinking <laughs> when they heard this because they didn't ha- knew of no plans to make the state trail <laughs> from the mountains to the sea. So it came as a big shock to them when sure. Howard Lee was like, let's see if it's feasible. Yeah, sure. So so that's what they're thinking, right? Like the, the, this is uh, unbelievable. What, how did they respond? Yeah, so they they just at their next meeting, which was in December of 1977, they basically discussed what he had outlined in his speech, and they really liked the idea, but they were also uh, really not confident in their ability to actually execute it. They were like, I think we should probably table this until 1978 and those meetings, and maybe then we can talk about it, but right now, I don't think that's really going to happen. So yeah, they decided to table it. And wait until next year to see if they could actually, you know, start working on this mountain to sea trail. That is all fantastic. I think at this point we'll take a quick short break, but we'll hear more about blazing the mountain to sea trail when we return. Thank you. Have questions about one of our collections? Want a copy of a record you found online? No time to visit the state archives in person? The Public Services Unit can provide reference services remotely. Our dedicated correspondence team is ready to answer your record questions by email, phone, or mail, and can provide copying and certification services, too. You can contact us at archives at dncr.nc.gov or place a copy order directly on our store website, ncarchivesstore.com. For more information about the type of questions we can help you with, copying fees, and other services offered, visit our main website, archives.ncdcr.gov. Then click Researchers and Services. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're discussing planning the Mountain to Sea Trail. So we, now we had the idea. How do we make it a reality? The committee obviously was decided to table the project at the end of set 1977. And they were like, 78 is the year. We're going to actually look into it and decide what to do. And so they had all of these questions that they had to answer about whether or not they could first plan the Mountain to Sea Trail and then second, actually created the first question they had to answer of course is where to put it um they were worried in the especially at the beginning of the planning process that the project was going to be too subjective there's no way to include every part of the state and every county in the process and so they were uh concerned that you know the committee members uh would bias different parts of the state meaning that they would have more miles in some part areas and less miles in others They were worried that um, they would not be able to create a balance between urban and rural areas of the state, which was another uh, big goal of Lee's when he announced the um, trail itself was to create that urban-rural connection. They were also worried that uh, the trail would not be able to um, capitalize on other natural and cultural qualities in North Carolina's system, um, including historic sites, already established natural resources like the Great Smoky Mountains, the Appalachian Mountains, making sure that all of these places were also um, included. That way people would actually want to come and see those sites. And then while they were there would also learn about the Mountain to Sea Trail. And so how did they solve it then? <laughs> well, the solution at first was to host public meetings in every region of the state and uh, make sure that citizens had a voice in this process. Um, This included, you know, private citizens, different groups, uh, environmental groups like the Sierra Club, all levels of government, local government, uh, county government, state government, all of those were working in tandem 
um, and making sure that they had to get final approval for different segments from the state and the secretary to make sure that there was a combination of the highest value corridor segments and that it complete that it created a complete cross-section of state geography and culture. Um, it quickly became a situation where a lot of the trails that were put up for proposal would find success if they were connected to this big mountain to sea project. And so finally, by November 1978, they had a route that they wanted in mind. And it is, in fact, the route that we see today in the mountain to sea trail with very few changes um, at all. Gotcha. So like when we were talking about earlier, the the hike that we took on the New River one, that was proposed in 79 and it gained traction because it was, oh, this could be part of the Mountains to Sea Trail. Yeah, exactly. The designation um, file is in the collection and it says, uh, it talks about the Noose River area and then the, I think the second section or third section, it says, um, can be a corridor for the Mountain to Sea Trail. Uh-huh. So they were specifically <laughs> thinking about what projects to say yes to um, based on how it would fit yeah, in. Yeah, based on how it would fit into gotcha. this state system. That's really that's really fascinating, but I'm thinking now like the 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 state is is not only large; it's varied, as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. How did they kind of you know you go on trails and they're not always the same sort of paved versus dirt versus all of it. How do they maintain consistency? Yeah, and that was another question that the committee had. They were really concerned that you know you'd go to part of the mountain to see trail on the coast and it would be one quality and then you go in the mountains and it'd be completely different um so one thing that they did was constantly evaluate the parts that they decided to designate as part of the mountain to sea trail uh making sure reviewing them every year to make sure that they were up to standards they also included user surveys to make sure that the people that were actually on the trail were getting the full use of them um they were worried ultimately though that people wouldn't know about the trail at all and not know about the mountain to sea trail and so they were concerned that there wasn't enough publicity that would be available to even like worry about the consistency so it was a consistency in environment and a consistency in publicity and making sure people are using the full length of the trail i have a question too you said earlier that doris hammett was the horseback riding representative Mm -hmm. how did they decide like which trails would be for like horseback riding like for just hiking or biking how did they did how'd they approach that Yeah, that was another big debate, and that's where it comes into play, the fact that each person on the team was supposed, or committee, was supposed to represent a different, like, organization or user group. Um, So they would have to basically have these battles um, about who would be able to use what parts and to try to make that distinction. Two of the most serious issues in that regard were water trails, places where you can canoe and kayak. And so some people thought, oh, why would we want to waste our budget on maintaining these water trails or creating these water trails when foot trails are going to be more popular? Um, so that was some a debate that they had to have. There was another debate also about off-road vehicles. Um, they thought that they would ruin the trail, like the tires would, you know, dig up parts of the soil and create ruts that would make it difficult for a bike to go through or something like that. So they had to have these... Uh, you know, arguments. And the solution that they ended up coming up with was to create specific parts of the trail for specific groups and make sure that those are clearly labeled. So the Mountain to Sea Trail we see today allows people to walk, people to bike, people to, they did end up picking water trails. um, So there are places to canoe and kayak. There are also places or designated places for people to ride horses, which is very interesting, um, especially that they were thinking like, oh, we need to make sure that we're engaging with this user group. Um, However, 
if you look online, it does not say there's any part of the trail that is open to off-road vehicles. So that's something that is still kind of a contentious mm. debate on certain parts of the trail to this day. So th- that's kind of like that's who's going to use the trail in terms of sorted into their like recreation. Yes. But like are there other th- are there other considerations on who's going to use the trail? So the committee actually looked at it demographically as well. So they really wanted the trail to be accessible to everyone, um, all people in the state of North Carolina and people who visit the state of North Carolina. So that included taking special considerations for children being on the trails and considerations for senior citizens being on the trails. And they also wanted to create spaces where, you know, children and senior citizens could like share the area and uh, swap knowledge about local history and North Carolina's culture. Um, It also included thinking about women on the trails. Um, A lot of the members of the committee, especially Doris Hammett, who I mentioned earlier, were worried about uh, women hiking the trails as a safety issue, um, especially if they hiked by themselves. Um, At one point, while they were planning the uh, Mountain to Sea Trail, two women were assaulted on the Appalachian Trail, and so that became a focal point in one of their meetings, thinking about how can we ensure that everyone is safe on the Mountain to Sea Trail and that um, that it's accessible to all groups of people. Uh, Hammett even went as far as writing the representatives in the General Assembly asking for more female representation on the committee to make sure that these issues were dealt with and discussed in a way that was personal but also universal in terms of working on the trail system. The other big group that the um, trails committee really wanted to make sure had access to the Mountain Sea Trail were people with disabilities. So they created this document that had strict requirements for um, adding handrails and ropes to make sure people could hold on and having parts of the trail that were paved that were easy for uh, people who use wheelchairs to uh, ride on and still engage with the Mountain Sea Trail. And Hammett also took a big role here and wrote letters making sure that, um, you know, everyone had access to the trail. So she really took uh, a main role in making sure that these latter two groups had um, access. I gotcha. Was there any other major uh, concerns they were looking at? Yes. So after they picked the route, they decided who was going to use it, um, how to create consistency. They were like, how are we going to maintain the trails long term? Mm. Uh, And so what they decided to do was rely on volunteer organizations across the state. So with the planning process, they created these task forces that helped host the meetings that were done in each of the regions. But then there were smaller task forces a step down from that that were dedicated to certain segments. Um, And so they thought that this would help fill the gap so the committee wouldn't necessarily have to take responsibility for constantly going out to the trails and constantly making sure that they're in operational condition. Um, They even created a booklet to circulate across the state of volunteer opportunities so anyone could get involved in, you know, maintaining the trails and creating them. Uh, There's also a handout in the collection about which tools people need to bring with them and which tools they will be provided and how many tools they need to actually blaze the trail and create the space um, and make sure that it's ready to go for the big launch. Um, It is important to note, though, that the um, groups like the North Carolina Trails Association, which was founded in that trial run symposium, 
didn't really have an official relationship with the North Carolina Trails Committee. Um, they did communicate about different segments, and they were part of the process, but uh, there was no official relationship dictated by the act or any legislation that was passed afterward. Um, it is also important to note that um, the North Carolina Trails Committee was constantly changing membership. Um, people on the committee had two or four year terms and they so there was constant turnover so it really came down to people like Jim Halsey who is the trails coordinator for the state um to make sure that there was a consistency through over time because without him um and people like Kay Scott was another uh, trails coordinator worked in that office without them there would have been this constant turnover and no consistency so there would have been impossible to maintain the trails at all um and maintain the partnerships with the task force as well. Now, so it sounds like once everything was kind of set up, the, the, all of these different handouts and, and, and there's support and they've thought about all these different groups, it sounds like it's pretty straightforward from there. Well, <laughs> again, <it's> <laughs> no. In another twist of fate, uh, again, there was this lack of funding. So they put all these processes in place, created the, the route in 1978, but by 1981, a lot of the support, especially from the legislature, had uh, dimmed. So in 1981, in fact, they considered scrapping the Mountain to Sea Trail altogether, just completely getting rid of it uh, for fear that it just wasn't a feasible project. Um, but yeah, and however, <laughs> after all that, <laughs> after, yeah, know, after all of these decisions were made, it still was like, I don't know if we can actually oh, do this. Well. Um, but by 1982, uh, so a year after they were planning on scrapping the entire project, 70 miles of the mountain to sea trail had been completed. Um, and now it was time for people to actually get out and hike it. Nice. That's great. So that's great. It's good that in, um, they, that they didn't just scrap it in within eight years of develop, of developing the idea. And then a year later, it's not even 10 years old. They've got 70 miles going. That's, I mean, that's really fantastic. So, you know, how did they gain more support? How did they keep it going even after 82? Yeah, so 82 was the big year for the launch of the trails. It was finally had some portion that was completed. So the North Carolina Trails Association, which was the citizen uh, task force that was working uh, on the trails across the state, decided to host a trek across the different segments and across the route oh yes i saw the flyer for that in the program files yeah yeah and it's it's it and you can tell from that flyer too that it follows the route that it is today they're very similar uh with very little changes even after all of this years of development uh but in 1982 when they decided to do the first trek um, the goal was to rally support to further develop the trail. 70 miles were done, but they wanted to make sure that the rest would get completed <laughs> at some point. Um, so the trek began in April of 82 uh, in Asheville, and it ended with the dedication ceremony of those 70 miles along the Outer Banks. Uh, it was a massive success in terms of publicity and participation with over 668 people participating in on bikes. They were hiking. They were riding horses. All of these different groups were represented. Um, and the hike took nine weeks. So that's a lot of dedication oh <laughs> for that many people to join and hike different segments. Um, some people hiked uh, some segments and not others, but well, across I'd be, the state. I would be interested to find out how many did the whole thing yeah. oh yeah me too um i know that some members of the committee and the association were on the trek and it would not surprise me since they took such a 
massive role in the organization they were so dedicated yeah Yeah. (laughs) they were there they had to have been uh, there's no names or anything so it's it's kind of difficult to tell but I I know oh for, I got a feeling no, yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> the one person that I do know hiked the whole thing was the president of the North Carolina Trails Association her name was Louise Chatfield and she was the first or second chairman of the committee of the trails committee and then left the committee to join the association the citizen task force association oh. and she was one of the people that was instrumental in organizing this trek so there's no doubt in my mind that she was th- right there the whole <laughs> nine weeks. Um, but yeah. So it's, and that spurred development uh, for more of the trail. Yeah, exactly. That. By the end of the same year, so 1982, there were 128 miles completed. And by 1984, jumping two more years, 400 people were working on these task forces across the state mm. to really make sure that these segments were finished and were uh, ready to go for people to use. Um, by 1985, 44.8% of the trail was in progress, and the work on connecting the trails is still continuing to this day. I say we go back to the News River Greenway and yeah, <laughs> experience let's go it back again. And, and hear more about how the trails are continuing to be changed and, and in flux to this day. 2023 is the year of the trail in North Carolina, the 50th anniversary of the 1973 North Carolina Trail System Act, and it's meant to be a year-long celebration of our state's thousands of miles of trails, greenways, and blueways, and it includes the Mountains to Sea Trail. We're back out here again on the New River Greenway segment. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in the same speech at Lake Junaluska, Secretary Lee expressed his hope that a statewide trail would be a trail that could help, like the first primitive trails bring us together and help us know a little more about ourselves and how the other person lives. North Carolina is a state with tremendous variety in geography, scenery, and people, and Howard Lee said that he wanted the state trails to look at recommending a trail that would give North Carolinians and national visitors a real feel for the sight, sound, and people of this state. Yeah, currently the Mountain to Sea Trail connects 700 miles of trails and about 500 miles of connecting roads, with about 15 new miles of trail opening every year. Yeah, who knows what it uh, will look like in another 50 years when uh, the Trails Act is celebrating its centennial uh, because the trails are always changing and they're never going to be finished. So even the part that we're on today may look completely different. Yeah, it's under construction right now, right? Yep, exactly. (laughs) There you go. Just like the trails, this series is ongoing. Next time, we'll take a look at the history of the state's first trails. And we also have a special interview lined up for the conclusion of the year of the trail. But for now, thank you, Annabeth and Katie, for joining me on the hike through Anderson Point Park and for this discussion about the ongoing history of making North Carolina the great trail state. Thanks for having us again. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad I got to go on this hike, and I definitely recommend that everyone listening out there listen to this podcast while you're out hiking (laughs) the Mountain to Sea Trail. And thanks to our producers, Shauna Carr, Danielle Sharilla, Josh Hager, and Caroline Waller and to former producer, Brooke Chuka. Special thanks to the voice you hear at the beginning and end of each podcast, Judy Allen Dodson, and thank you all for listening and happy trails. We hope you enjoyed this episode of season four of Connecting the Docs. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you'll never miss an episode. If you like this show, you might want to check out our blog, History for All the People.